Hello and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with me, Delia Delore. If you've not heard the show before, welcome. Get ready to learn with us as we dissect popular mottos, mantras and metaphors. We trace their origins and find how they translate to everyday life. Each week we have a special guest who resonates with their chosen expression. Today's guest is Mark Raymond Jr., founder of the Split Second Foundation. After a life-altering accident that left him paralyzed, Mark started this nonprofit in 2018, dedicated to raising awareness of the growing but sometimes invisible population of people with disabilities, advocating for their rights, funding cutting-edge research, and providing clear-cut steps to immediately impact their lives. In today's episode, we'll discuss the saying in a split second. We will see how much can change in a fracture of a second and that a person's life can be completely altered from one moment to the next. Like our guest, Mark Raymond Jr., people undergo life-changing experiences every day and oftentimes the biggest changes happen in the blink of an eye, for better or for worse. While certain things are out of human control, we will look at how people deal with these experiences and what we can learn from them with regards to how we live our lives. Have you ever wondered about the grotesqueness of daily life? Getting up every morning to go to work, drive your kids to school, or go about whatever plans you have set for the day. We keep going by keeping ourselves busy, and whether we like it or not, we tend to find ourselves in an all-familiar rut. Now imagine that the mundane everyday that you're so used to could be taken away from you in a moment, in a split second. That is a scary thought, and yet a situation people find themselves in on a daily basis. I can only think of the many scenarios I've been in, driving on the motorway when my journey was suddenly interrupted by an unforeseen traffic jam. I'm sure we're all aware of the inconvenience that this can cause, and all of us dread it. But do we ever take a step further and look outside of our own little bubble in moments like these? Oftentimes there are people on the other end of this traffic line, people who may just have lost everything they ever knew. Traffic fatalities happen on a daily basis and can change people's lives in a split second. This is a topic everyone may be aware of, but most people try to avoid. What's the use in talking about something you can't change, right? If it happens, it happens. Why worry about things that are out of your control? And yet you can look at this from a completely different angle, one that can bring more zest to your life and even help you enjoy it more. Like the ancient Greeks so wisely put it, cut diem, cease the day. Because truly, we never know when our last one might be. 
Being present is the key to truly making the most of what life we get to live. But can we achieve that when sometimes this seems to be the most difficult thing of all? Much of what ruins the present is sheer anxiety. The present always contains an enormous number of possibilities, some hugely gruesome, which we're constantly aware of. Anything could theoretically happen, an earthquake, an aneurysm, a rejection, which gives rise to a non-specific anxiety that trails around us most of the time, the simple dread at the unknownness of what is to come. But then, of course, only a very limited range of awful things do ever come to pass, and we forget the anxiety at once, or rather shift it to the new present. So when we remember an event, what we leave out of it is how much of that event we actually spent anticipating an appalling future that never came. Our bodies further contribute to our distraction from the present. They have their own moods and itineraries. They might feel tired and timid at just the moment when the landscape around us would demand grandeur and confidence. But these dissonant moods also get edited out of memory. We'll remember the view over the ocean far longer than the slight queasiness which turned us in on ourselves at the time. Our minds are cavernous, chaotic places. So much courses through them that has little to do with what is right in front of our eyes. We can end up seeming ungrateful to where we are. Someone is telling us an important story, and not from any evil motive, just from the difficulty of having to manage the entity called I, we digest some regret or other instead. We're at a beautiful location, but we can barely take in the vegetation and the extraordinary views. So fixated are we on an event that will only occur in six months' time. We need to be prepared for the weird way in which we align with the world and not berate ourselves unduly for our difficulties at doing justice to where our bodies and minds happen to be. We should be ready for this disloyalty in other people too at moments when they look strangely worried at a party we've laid on or don't seem to be listening to a story we're telling them. They too may just be experiencing some of the major difficulties of being in the present. Like us, they'll probably enjoy our encounter with us so much more when the present has safely given way to memory. An important point made here is that we are often tricked by our own mind into believing that things were better in the past. That's because our memory likes to cling to the highlights and happy moments and tends to skip over underlying worries and anxieties. An awareness of this deceit of the mind can help in enjoying the present moment more and being free from living in the past. Another thing that keeps us from being present are the what-ifs of life, thinking about worst-case scenarios or things that might potentially happen. Many of us constantly worry, whether that's actively thinking of a potential failure or trying not to. Even by focusing on the avoidance of a subject, we still focus on it indirectly. Have you ever noticed how, as children, time had a slower pace? A year seemed like an eternity. But as we get older, the click ticks faster and faster. A main reason for this change in perception is the fact that children don't worry so much. They don't think about what could go wrong or what might happen tomorrow. This allows them to simply be. 
Behavioral theory shows us that our mind can link an experience with either a reward or a pain. So our mind is able to link certain experiences so we learn a response. And this learning can take place in a fraction of a second. Hence the name split-second unlearning. Mark Hudson, a behavioral change consultant, and Mark Johnson, professor of pain and analgesia at Leeds Beckett University, propose a new scientific approach to breaking those mental barriers we build over time. In their research paper, Split Second Unlearning, Developing a Theory of Psychophysiological Disease, they introduce the split-second unlearning model. The model proposes that a traumatic experience is linked with a physiological response, and every time a person encounters reminders of those experiences, that physiological response is re-triggered. Over time, this low-level stress can accumulate and lead to various symptoms which rob us of the ability to be present mentally. The aim of this model is to neutralize traumatic memories so that they no longer affect a person's present. I am happy and excited to welcome our guest, Mark Raymond Jr. Mark started the Split Second Foundation after an accident in 2016 that left him partially paralyzed. During his recovery process, he learned about the extreme gaps in the health system and the lack of resources available for patients after being discharged from therapy. This initiated him to start his foundation in 2018, which is dedicated to raising awareness, advocacy, funding, cutting-edge research, and providing step-by-step support for patients. Mark, thank you so much for being with us on Metaphorically Speaking. You are a man that I have to say, when I started to read up on you, I had nothing but admiration for you and your strength. Your strength just seems to be growing from strength to strength. And I was fascinated to find out what metaphor you were going to come up with. And you came up with something which is just as soon as I heard it, I thought, yep, it makes a lot of sense. So uh, metaphor is anyone's life can change in a split second. Why does that resonate with you? Well, my life changed in a split second. And it was that tick of the talk that has really driven all of the work that I've done over the last six and a half years. And when I think about like humanity and how often it is that split second moment where everything that we expected or everything that we lived for just comes to a screeching halt. It's what defined everything that we wanted to communicate from a brand, from an organization, and from people who just have a really deep-seated understanding of people and how we can be driving catalysts to bettering communities and society. How does that play out in the world for you? So I feel like everybody that goes through something in life has that split-second moment, right? where something happens and it drives us to think differently and adapt to adversity. And and that's what I've done through the course of life since my accident, which is adapt to the situation and make the best of it because life is about living and it's not about regretting and thinking about what could have been. It it should be a, a thought for what is and what could be. You've mentioned your accident a couple of times now. What happened? 
So July 4th, 2016, I was boating with a lot of my friends, just having a, a relaxed day. And towards the end of the day, I dove off the back of the boat, not thinking about the depth of the water, just thinking from a young man excited to dive in some water and cool off. And my head hit the sandy bottom and I fractured the fifth vertebrae in my neck doing so, which resulted in paralysis for me from about the chest down. So I have some arm function, some hand function, but I'm a daily wheelchair user and I, I my chair is my chariot. It, it gets me from point A to point B. I have to rely on other people to help me with the majority of my activities of daily living, like dressing and bathing and doing all of those things. So it has pushed me to get comfortable with people in a way that I don't think I would have ever been comfortable with people before. But it also drove me to a better understanding of the healthcare system here in the United States and showed me all of the disparities, all of the gaps in services and where the true need is for people who have undergone a multitude of different disabling conditions, whether that be a stroke or a spinal cord injury like I have or an amputation. All of us have had the similar experience of feeling left out at a certain point by the healthcare system or forgotten about. And so we created what is now the Split Second Foundation to provide resources and programs for those people to give them a better chance at a high quality of life, connect them with resources that could really impact that quality of life in a positive way, but also to be friends and thought partners and lend our experience back to them to help get them where they want to be in life quicker. So they aren't thinking about yesterday as much as they are about tomorrow. Now, when you were in hospital, not knowing exactly what your fate was going to be, what were you? What were your thoughts? Did you think, well, the worst comes to the worst, I'm going to conquer this, or were you at a blank? Well, the initial response to situations like this is denial, especially for me as I was looking at the rest of my body that was not mangled or destroyed. I mean, we're literally talking about damage to my spinal cord. And that was it. So there was no true physical damage. I'm looking at my body saying, you know, okay, docs, you know, you're telling me I'll never walk again, but that can't be true. I'm looking at my legs and my feet. They look like they could walk for me, you know, like I, I need to figure this out. And going through that process of denial, grieving and accepting uh, was challenging. And, and that was the journey that I was on. It was this kind of perpetual cycle of daily. I would wake up and hope that I had some movement that I didn't have the day before or that this was all a bad dream or all of the things that human beings do to try to cope with situations. And as each day went past and something didn't change or something that I thought could happen didn't happen, it drove me closer to acceptance of what the actual situation was. And that was where I, like, I started to really dig into what this was and what it was going to be. So a split second for you is practically every step that you take in terms of the growth within your mindset and the growth within your foundation and meeting other people who, as you say, you created the foundation because there were many loopholes and many things that should have been done but could not have been done. 
Do you think that a lot of the time when we hear things like this, we are led to believe that it's about funding, that the businesses, the organizations don't have appropriate funding. Have you seen that in what you've been doing? Or is it a balance of not having the appropriate staff with professional specialized teams? What would you say was was lacking the most that you felt you had to have the split second foundation? To be completely honest, I think that our profit-driven healthcare system hinders true impact on quality of life. And when I say that, I mean hospitals and large healthcare organizations could very well be doing what I'm doing to care and provide the resources and services that individuals like myself will need for the rest of our lives. Right. Like I can't just sit a sedentary lifestyle. I need to work out. I need to move. I need to continue trying to get my body to function. Otherwise, I'll have some type of secondary complication like a bed sore or pulmonary embolism or, you know, a heart attack and cardiovascular situations that will lead me back to that hospital situation. And from my experience, I just haven't seen these large organizations buy into the preventative side for us, right, for people who have experienced this already. And that's where the true need for an organization like the Split Second Foundation really comes from. It comes from the need for community organizations to step up and provide those programs and resources for people that are not provided by the healthcare system. You mentioned earlier that most of the time, a split second, when it changes your life, we hope that it can change your life in a way that will make it more adaptable to mm-hmm. where you are in your life. Have you come across people who are struggling to accept that that split second mm-hmm. can be a positive thing? Maybe they are stuck in a rut, just stuck there, and they can't step forward. They can't move forward. Yes, I encounter that daily. You know, again, I was one of those people. And I'll tell you what changed my perception of my injury and what my life could be post-disability was about a year after my accident, I went to Sacramento, California, and participated in this activity-based fitness program called SCI Fit. The first day I rolled in, everybody in the room spoke to me. Right. So I felt welcome. I felt like I belonged there. And the staff was super friendly. They understood what I was going through. They were empathetic to all of my situation, but they had individuals working there, working out there that had been injured for five, 10, 20 years. So they were able to lend me their experience and tell me, hey, dude, I've seen this. I've, I've lived that. I've done this. And this is an amazing life. It can be amazing, but you have to accept it. You have to move on and you have to continue to work out and push to get as much functional return as you can. And what that gave me was hope. And going back to your question, I think what all of those people that go through these types of situations are looking for is hope right, is is a reason to push, a reason to keep going, somebody to motivate them, to show them that this life can be just as amazing as what life was before your split second. We have to buy in. We have to do the work. Unfortunately, some people don't want to do the work, but that's a that's a part of this. It's acceptance and putting some sweat equity in and getting the job done. 
when you're working out, is it the same type of feeling that, I don't know, previous to your accident, whether you were doing any physical exercise, were you? No, I wouldn't say it's it's the same, right? And I got a preface too. I was an athlete both in high school and in college. So my workouts were a lot more strenuous. However, my approach to working out is the same, right? There's not really the threshold to quit after I run a mile. It's okay. I did a mile. Like, how can I do my second mile faster? Mm-hmm. So if I'm sitting on a, a seated bike and I'm I'm working out, my mentality is still that. It's still okay. I did this in X time. How can I do number two and Y and build off of that? That's the drive and determination I think of being an athlete. And of course, uh, you mentioned all the people around you who helped you in mind and and body. What yeah. about spirit and and family? Yeah, I mean, it's all of that. It is it's a really holistic healing process. I'll say that my family was the biggest support system for me because when you go through this, you know, if you don't have that support, you literally get forgotten about in the system. So you need those family advocates. Mm-hmm. I had my mom, my dad, my sister and brother-in-law and that core group and my grandmother, of course, I can't forget me, me, but that core group really did a lot of the legwork for me when I was checked out mentally and spiritually and emotionally in the hospital, trying to navigate like what happened in this new life and accepting it. And they were the ones that were like, dude, you can't give up. You can't mope about this for too long. Like You got to get back on the horse and keep riding because life's not going to stop moving because you're going through this. And unfortunately, most people don't have the strongest support system. You know, like the support system I have is incredible. And they push me still today. As difficult as it might be to admit, my mom, my sister, and my, my dad, my brother-in-law, my mimi, they, they keep me going. They're they're as in this as I am. That's wonderful. So tell us about the Split Second Fitness. So we wanted to create a fitness program that would really benefit people who have gone through traumatic disabilities, i.e. strokes, spinal cord injuries, amputations. In my experience, there are great facilities around the United States that do great work. But they charge a hundred bucks an hour, and most people with disabilities here can't afford that because they live on some type of fixed income. Like we don't have the same health benefits as individuals in Europe and the UK do, so it adds a financial barrier to access to these types of programs, and a lot of people miss out on that because they can't afford it. So what we managed to do underneath the umbrella of the Split Second Foundation, the nonprofit, was launch a program, Split Second Fitness, which is the first activity-based, rehab-based fitness facility in the Gulf South of the U.S. that offers rehab-based exercise programs for people who have undergone these situations at just $50 a month. And what people get for that $50 is access to the facilities and two one-on-one sessions a week. So it's really an $850 value that we we charge $50 for. And I fundraised for, for the rest of the money to cover the salaries of the staff and to make sure that we have the right people to continue to push our clients to reach those goals that they have set. 
that's uh, wonderful. I mean, how do people find out about you? Are you just within your community or can anyone come in? So right now we just have the one location in New Orleans. However, we've gotten calls from all over the world because Instagram has blown up our our profile a good bit. Mm-hmm. And, but even in New Orleans, like we haven't done any advertising. It's all been word of mouth. And to say that we have impacted 140 clients and just being open in a year in six months with a small staff, not really communicating like it's amazing to see the results that we've had and to see the impact that we've made from being a light in this community in that darkness. It's been incredible. So where can we find you? You can find us. uh, Please visit our website, splitsecondfoundation.org. You can read about all of the latest news, all of the latest news articles and newsletters that we've either gotten published from other sources or that we've written ourselves. You can also follow us on Instagram at Split Second Foundation, on Facebook at Split Second Foundation. Uh, I believe we have a Twitter, but we might not be as active on Twitter. The same with TikTok. I, I'm I'm of the millennial generation that has completely divested my time when it comes to social media experiences to Instagram and and I, I don't have time for the other sources. But but IG is definitely the best place to to find us and to see see our clients, see the work that we're doing, learn about what we want to do in the future, and more. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. And now when I I hear this metaphor, I'll immediately think of you and how you're helping others. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy like spreading this message because I feel like it is a global message. Although this happened to me locally in New Orleans in the States, I've been engaged and talking to people all over the world who tell me the same things about the lack of services and lack of places for their family members to go to or their friends, or it's hard for me sometimes to take in all of those stories. And because I'm such a solution driven person, but I know like this is a, it's a human problem. It's not just a problem that I see here in this city or this state or this country but one that could affect any of us. And in those moments, like I want people to have access to knowledge and the best resources possible. So as we continue to grow Split Second Foundation and hopefully expand programs to all throughout the United States and inevitably, I think, throughout the world, it will be to accomplish that goal of increasing the quality of life that people have after these situations. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you for having me. Well, you can waste it, buy it, save it, or spend it wisely. It's of the essence. It's on our hands. It flies when you're having fun. But did you know that our North American concept of time is not actually a universal thing? That is, the way we've come to think about time in the modern West as a linear, measurable commodity. That's not the way people in all places and all cultures around the world understand time. They say the pariah people of the Amazonian rainforest have no concrete concept of time at all. They have no past tense, they tell no stories. Everything exists for them in the present, and when it can no longer be perceived, for all intents and purposes, it ceases to exist. 
Or take the Hopi Indians of Arizona. Their language has no verb tenses at all, no past, no present, no future, and consequently, no way to talk about time. The closest they come to a sense of time are two words in their entire vocabulary. They have a word for sooner and a word for later, and that's it. In Indonesia, they talk about jam karet, rubber time, to describe their very flexible approach to timekeeping. In Mexico, they say being on time is a worse cultural faux pas than being late. After all, if you arrive at the party on time, you'll only inconvenience the host, who'll still be getting last-minute hors d'oeuvres together. And whether or not it's true that time flies differently for different cultures, it's certainly true in the Bible. It doesn't talk about time the way we do. In the Bible, actually, there are two very different kinds of time happening at once. Two words for time, which describe two distinct concepts of time running simultaneously. There's chronos time. Chronos is the Greek word that gives us all of our time-related words, like chronology and chronological. Chronos is sequential time. It's linear, measurable time. It's the, the kind of time that marches on, that keeps on ticking, that waits for no man. Clocks and calendars measure time on chronos time. We live on chronos time. But the Bible also talks about something called kairos time. Kairos is a Greek word that refers to the right occasion or the right season for something, the right now for something to happen. And in the Bible, kairos time is very different from chronos time. Chronos is about quantity. Kairos is about quality. Kronos is about the present that was the future and is the past before we know it. Kairos is about the now. And especially when right now is the right time for what's happening right now. That's Kairos. Because Kairos time is God's time. And when the things that God has appointed to happen unfold exactly the way God has appointed them to happen, that's Kairos time. A crucified body that waits exactly three days in the tomb before rising to new glorious life is keeping time on Kairos time. And so are we whenever his resurrected life breaks in and takes hold of this moment or that moment of our lives, transforming them and transfiguring them into an experience of his presence. The novelist Madeline Lengel says it like this, Kairos is that time which breaks through Kronos with a shock of joy, that, that time we do not recognize while we are experiencing it, but only afterwards. In Kairos, we are completely unselfconscious and yet paradoxically far more real than we can ever be when we're constantly checking our watches for chronological time. The artist at work is in Kairos. The child at play is in Kairos. The Christian in worship is in Kairos. Because in Kairos time, we become what we are called to be as human beings, co-creators with God, touching the wonder of creation. The ancient Greeks had three different words for time, Ion, Kronos, and Kyros. Aeon represents the everlasting eternity of the cosmos within which all time is embedded. Kronos refers to measured quantitative time. You might recognize this as the root for the English words chronological and chronicle. This time is measured with clocks, watches and calendars and it is the time most of us live by. The third word for time, kyros, is lesser known but no less important. As opposed to chronos, kyros is qualitative time. 
It measures moments, not seconds, a deep breath, a shared laugh, or a beautiful sunset. Kairos refers to the right moment or the opportune moment, the space between what was and what will be, when lives are changed and everything around us seems to be standing still, untethered by cross time. In the Bible's book of Ecclesiastes, it says, For everything there is a reason, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. When the Bible was first translated from Hebrew into Greek, every reference to time in this verse was translated as kairos, not as chronos. This notion of time has a sense of ripeness, describing the right moment for something to happen. Somehow, this understanding of time has been lost in translation. In English, we only know one word for time, and we mostly use it in relation to chronos, the ticking time that devours anyone who can't keep up with its pace. This homogenization of time reflects the culture of modern-day Western society. Experiences are being standardized to avoid the risk of disappointment or surprise. Chain restaurants with identical menus, travel companies with package tours, and pop music based on the same manufactured formula. How then can we find moments of curious time in this day and age? Donna Marie Duffy, an American who has gained a new understanding of time after living in Israel for 12 years, has learned a new approach to life in Kairos time. Kairos living in a Kronos world. We can do it. I've done it. More focused on the face of the person in front of us than on the face of the clock. Our Kronos living, wrought with technology in our multitask, multi-device existence, doesn't have to keep us from living a Kairos life. We can choose. We can decide to unplug and unwind. We can focus on doing fewer things rather than trying to do everything. And we can be okay with process and excellence rather than demanding perfection and expecting everything show up gift-wrapped and showroom-ready. Kairos living in a Kronos world, not just swept along with the throng in a hurried pace to get to what's next, but an intentional, tempered cadence that allows us time for those we love, for things we hold dear, so we can live and breathe and be. The significance a split second can have leads us with two possibilities of responding. We can become worried and even anxious, expecting the worst to happen to us, or we can be inspired by it to live in the present, focused on what is right in front of us. When we understand that time is not just measured by seconds, but by moments and experiences, we can change our way of living to worry less and become more childlike. Thanks for listening to this episode of Metaphorically Speaking. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something new. For the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing other programs, some you may have heard before, as we try to 
engage new listeners with common and popular metaphors that they've just taken for granted. So hold on tight, listen to the programs, and of course, share it. Share, share, share. That's how people get to know about us. So we'd love you to share the show with your friends and please feel free to leave a review on colorful.com or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which is on Apple, Spotify, and all the major streaming platforms that you have access to. If you'd like to suggest a metaphor for an upcoming show, you can reach us at info at metaphoricallyspeaking.uk. Join us for another metaphor next week. Until then, I'm Delia Delore. Keep safe. Bye for now. 